You are listening to the Practice Growth Podcast with Sean Terrell. Welcome to the Practice Growth Podcast. I'm your host, Sean Terrell, and really excited about this week's discussion and our guest, Dr. Bo Beecher. Dr. Beecher is the founder and CEO of Kimball and Beecher Family Dentistry, which has six locations throughout Eastern and Central Iowa. Dr. Bo, great to have you on the Practice Growth Podcast. Thanks for making time to share your story. Sean, it's great to be here. Uh, it's great to meet you. And uh, I've enjoyed listening to your podcast and uh, really excited to hear about your work. Thank you. I appreciate that. And so where I always like to start with these is just with a little bit of context for the audience so they know a little bit of your backstory. Could you just share uh, a couple minutes on how you got to this current point of your career? Well, uh, thank you. I, I have a unique role in dentistry. Uh, I didn't know 20 years ago when I graduated from dental school at the University of Iowa that I was going to be leading a multi-doctor, multi-location group. I, just like everyone else, I went to dental school learning how to fix teeth. And, you know, in the last five years as our company's grown, uh, I've had to shift from being a dentist to being a, a business leader. And it really has helped me to be uh, a, dent a dentist first. Um because it gives me insight into what our patients need and what our teams need and what our doctors need to be successful. And so right now we're here to talk ab about uh, group dentistry and the future of dentistry. And I'm excited to be here. So, yeah, just maybe a little bit more about that backstory would be helpful too. You know, you started out, uh, well, you tell, but you, you, you didn't get to six locations and uh, dozens or even hundreds of employees and multiple docs uh, overnight. So kind of share a little bit more about that evolution, if you would. You bet. Uh, so just like, you know, most dental students, when you graduate with a future uh, in private practice in mind, uh, I graduated in, from Iowa in 2000. Uh, I wanted to be a general dentist and I, I was recruited to start a position in Keokuk, Iowa as an associate. Uh, I took it, had a great mentor, uh, both clinically, entrepreneurially, and uh, human management-wise. Uh, worked there for a year, um, and, and I knew that that wasn't going to be forever because that wasn't where you know my family wanted to be. But I had just such a great opportunity to work with a, a, a super mentor that that really kicked kicked my career. Uh, then I merged into a, an, uh, a group on the other side of the state in uh, Omaha, Nebraska, specifically in Bellevue. And I joined a multi-specialty group where I joined in, in kind of a group partnership model and bought in right away. I did that for three to four years, uh, learned a lot. Then in 2004, I had the, what I'd consider my opportunity of a lifetime was to move back to uh, Waterloo, Iowa, which is where my family's from, is in Northeast Iowa. I grew up in West Des Moines, uh, went to Valley High School, and I kind of consider myself a resident of Iowa, not a specific locate, location, uh, but I had the opportunity to take over for a longtime family friend and work with somebody I'd known for a long time, Eric Kimball. And in 2004, Eric and I started this practice together, and uh, it was a single location practice, and we just, like every other dentist, you know, wanted to serve patients and wanted to grow our practice. And uh, Along the way, we met other dentists who wanted to sell their practices that liked how we did it. And, you know, one location became two. And then the first location went from seven chairs to 21 chairs. And we just kept getting opportunities. And I think we reached a tipping point in our growth in about 2015, where we realized that this model was working. And we needed to 
to grow, we needed to move outside Blackhawk County. So that's when we started to go to Marshalltown. And then we started seeking opportunities, not, you know, instead of just waiting for people to call us. And that's what took us to Cedar Rapids and Iowa City and now down to Des Moines. So um, that, I hope that explains like how we got from there to here. No, it's a pretty good overview. So just to, to recap, it's it's six locations currently. And how many general dentists? Um, currently, we have 15 general dentists, two orthodontists, one pediatric dental specialist, six locations, uh, approximately 100 support staff. So approximately 25 to 26 hygienists, 46, seven uh, dental assistants, and then uh, another 40 or 50, uh, you know, administrative personnel. And how many patients does that cover across all uh, that whole spectrum? You know, I think it's, uh, it's hard to say exactly how many patients we see. There's so many people measure it differently and I don't want to overstate, <laughs> but generally speaking, uh, we're, we're trying to see about a hundred, uh, excuse me, we're trying to see about a thousand unique exams a week. Uh, and, you know, so we're, you know, 200, you know, unique people a day, Monday through Friday that we're coming, come in. I've seen numbers that say that we're servicing between, uh, 60 and 70,000 Iowans over the last, uh, three years. But, uh, those practice management statistics, I always take with a little bit of grain of salt. So like, you know, how many people are you actually treating on a, on a weekly, daily, uh, monthly and quarterly and annual is, is in, in looking at your, your statistics to, to really measure that versus how many patients of records you have. Because that's, you know, as you know, or maybe you're learning, you know, you can see somebody one time uh, for a denture adjustment who lives, you know, two states away mm -hmm. or, you know, fix. it doesn't mean that they're your patient for life. And, you know, we we're really proud of the fact that we see people from, you know, one year of age to we have, you know, we're at a point in our careers now where we have, you know, multiple patients that are over 100 years old and everybody in between and for whatever their needs are. So we have a a lot of patients that are with us a couple of times. We have patients with, that are with us for a lifetime. Got it. Thanks for, thanks for breaking that down a little bit more. I thought it might be important to give people a little bit more context to get some of those statistics out of the way early. But what I'm really interested in is this sort of that curve to uh, what I would, what I would call maybe how you started to scale. So you started in 2004, it was a 50, 50 practice with one location and you and one other dentist. And the next 10 years was sort of slow growth up into capacity for you two. Is that a fair assessment or maybe uh, explain a little bit more about that first 10 years? You used one of my favorite words, uh, capacity. Mm. And so scaling for us has been a, a, a understanding where our capacity and or what our roadblock or bottleneck would be. So when we started as a uh, two two dentist general dental practice and seven ops, we quickly, realized that, you know, and we're booked out in hygiene, let's add a hygienist. Well, then we added a hygienist, we were booked out again. And then, then we quickly realized that we needed to be open. So we were open longer hours. And then we realized we were out of room with seven ops and, and we had the opportunity to go five, go acquire five more ops. And we bought a practice that had five ops in it. And then we filled those up. And so now you're at 12 ops in Waterloo and, and we're all excited that we bought this piece of dirt in Waterloo and we're going to build this dream, dream Taj Mahal practice. And right the second we were about to, to start construction, uh, a very nice practice in, in Cedar Falls became available. And the guy reached out and said, hey, I want you and Eric to take over for me here. And, and we're like, well, Waterloo and Cedar Falls, that makes sense. And so we took, you know, we went from 12 ops to 21 ops like overnight. 
And we still have this big lot that we were building with a dream of building a 21 up. And then, you know, we just don't know how to hit the brake. So we went ahead and built that. And so the evolution has just been through our own uh, ability to grow a practice and realize our own roadblocks. It turned, you know, you, you realize what your restrictor plates is, are, mm-hmm. excuse me. So it's, is it operatories? Is it hygienists? Is it assistants? Is then, it, then the hardest thing to realize is you're a dentist. You're, there's only so much you can do. Then we need more dentists. And, uh, two dentists became three and three became four and so forth. And that's, I mean, scale, I mean, it doesn't happen by accident. Clearly you'd have to know how to market and retain patients and, and grow. Uh, but as you're scaling, it seems like as you're growing, you keep, you get gratification from growth and, and having a growth mindset is always looking to do more. Um, you just keep adding things and you, you figure out what the capacity limitation is and you change that. And that's how we've grown. So in, in my industry, uh, a term that gets thrown a lot around a lot is sort of this hockey stick moment. Uh, do you understand what I mean by that analogy? Um, go on. Why don't you elaborate? <laughs> I, I, I'd like to know a little bit about, more about what you're, you're going at. I didn't mean to put you on the spot there. So it's sort of this, if you, can, if you can visualize what a hockey stick looks like, it has sort of a flat blade and then this handle that almost goes like a 45 degree angle up to the hockey player's hand. And that's sort of the growth curve that people visualize when they think about sort of going along and you're sort of flat. All of a sudden something happens and you have sort of this inflection point of, of rapid growth um, when you've sort of been bubbling beneath the surface for a long period of time. Maybe with that as a, as, as a backdrop, does... It was 2015 where you guys really started adding multiple practices uh, beyond just kind of what you had up until the first 10 years? Well, we yes. Uh, it was just a little bit before that. Uh, in 2014, I guess if the hockey stick moment would have been, Eric and I sat down with a consultant and the consultant looked at us and said, why are you guys stopping? And we're like, what do you mean? And he's like, well, you guys haven't added a chair or a practice for three years and you, you really haven't grown. And we're like, well, yeah, we've grown a little bit. He's like, no, you guys had exponential growth for, you know, from 2004 up till 2012. And then, you know, 12, 13, 14, you guys aren't growing, but just a little bit. And I'm like, well, we haven't grown any doctor. We haven't hired any new doctors. We haven't, you know, haven't added any operatories. We haven't added facilities. He's like, yeah, what are you waiting for? And we're like, well, we're all kind of exhausted. We're working as hard as we can. And they pointed out that to Eric and I, because at the time, I think we were at a, uh, five doctor level, they said, Hey, you guys are exhausted because you're clinical dentist all the time. One of you needs to back away from practice and really focus on, on growing your team, growing the doctors, growing facilities, growing outside your border of your own town. You need, you need to think of, you know, there's only so many patients you can serve in Black Rock County. And we're like, Oh, so that gave us that inflection point, I guess, that said, Hey, if we're going to grow, I've got to change who I am or Eric has to change who he is. And we decided that it would be me. Uh, who would, you know, take a, a non-clinical role. And that didn't happen overnight. It probably, like in 2016, I went to a non-practicing dentist. Uh, I, I still have a license and still and have since then, but I went from working 40 hours a week, five days a week as a clinical dentist to uh, working none. And over time, I've, I've, I filled in and I've worked one day a week and I've tried multiple ways. But it was at that point, thank you that for that clarification, it was at that point where we said, Hey, we need to add operatories. We need to add doctors and we need to have the managerial support to, to support all these doctors. And that's uh, when we really started to 
I don't, I mean, we grew plenty up until that point, but sure. that's where you go. For, that's where you go from two, two locations to six and five doctors to 18. Uh, mm. it, it, that's for us. That's when we took that jump. Got it. No, that, that really, that really helps. And sorry to put you on the spot with the hockey stick analogy, <laughs> but, uh, no, it's okay. Now I'm really interested because this is what I want to get to is I'm sure that you and we haven't directly referenced him, but your, your original partner is Dr. Eric Kimball, correct? That's correct. So when you guys make that decision to go bigger and start to scale and one of you has to back away from a clinical dentist to a, a non-clinical dentist and more of a CEO role, how did you guys wrestle with that decision? What were some of the things that you talked about? What were some of the conversations that you had with yourself to feel good about where you were going to go next? Well, for a, a practicing dentist, and, and and I know that's your your audience, uh, we dentists don't look at ourselves as businessmen or entrepreneurs. We look at ourselves as clinical dentists first. Now, I, I don't want to, anyone who knows me that will listen to this will tell you, I've, I've been an entrepreneur way before I was a dentist. I've always had that mindset. And so is Dr. Kimball, to be clear. Um, but I, I, was, I, I, was, I was an entrepreneur who, who became a dentist, loved clinical dentistry, worked my tail off at clinical dentistry. And it was, it's hard to, I mean, when people ask you what you do for a living, you might say, I'm a financial planner. I, I, I work with dentists to you know, realize their dreams. I just say I'm a dentist. I still, to this day, I don't say I'm an owner. I don't say I'm a CEO. I don't say I'm a president. I'm a dentist. I, I'm always going to be a dentist. Mm. And I think most of your audience who, who graduated with a dental degree feel the same way. So it's with a lot of reservation that you take that step back. But the realization that Eric and I had was I had a passion for it. I, I don't turn off. I, I, I'm, I work nights. I work weekends. I'm always doodling. I'm always looking at the next, next move. And Eric thought it was a natural fit, as did I, for me to take that step. But more like most things in life, when you want to take the step forward, you have to take a step backward. My step, my step backward was to figure out how to replace my clinical production, how to deal with you know the thousands of patients that I saw on an annual basis who called me their dentist, and and I'm grateful for all them. It, it's the trust. I mean, I I was very adept at you know making other dentists busy, but it's different when you take away. You know, it's much like a dentist who retires. Uh, mm. I had to take that step. And and the advice I was given was not to, you know, cut to four days a week or three days a week. It was you're they all recognized that I was already working twenty to thirty hours a week in a non clinical fashion. They're like, You're gonna burn out, you need to go completely non clinical. And it's worked. Uh and our patients have been great. I've been fortunate enough to work with so many dentists who keep building our company and so many great leaders within our company uh on the hygiene and administrative and assisting front. So what were some of the, the growing pains and what were some of the, the, the things that you did well? It sounds like it was sort of almost a two-year transition for you to, to go from 100% clinical to almost not practicing or seeing patients at all. And kind of what was that transition like maybe more specifically? Um, you know, I think we, we, we had that rel uh, revelation in, in middle of 14 and we started looking you know, for additional doctors. And, you know, we were used to hiring one doctor at a time. And um, at that point, we realized it took, you know, it would take more to, to realize that dream. So the it took about two years to get the, the plan worked together. And I think the biggest couple of the biggest pitfalls are when you 
you know, as a dentist, you're used to earning as, you know, your income as an associate. And one of the first things Eric and I looked at each other, like, how do you, how do you pay me now that, you know, I'm not, I'm not a dentist. I'm not, I'm not producing. How do I, you know, how do I recognize? So that's a stumbling block is to figure out, you know, how to, you know, pay yourself as an administrator. Cause we dentists generally don't have a, you know, we don't pay ourselves based upon what we, you know, manage. We, we pay ourselves based upon how we produce. Mm-hmm. And so that was a stumbling block, but having a great partner like Eric and a bunch of great teammates around me, it made that very easy. Uh, the other stumbling block is literally not, you know, you, it's hard as a dentist who goes by a clock working in the, on a, on a calendar seeing patients. It's hard to make that, that jump to realize your calendar is now filled with management tasks, recruiting, uh, business management, finance, accounting, development, procurement, marketing, and you start really running a company and stop practicing dentistry. It's, it's not, the schedule is not as demanding per se, but that you also, I don't, you know, where I never had appointments at midnight, I would, I still have multiple times where I'm working past midnight, working on something or waking up early to work on something because I just, you don't have deadlines per se, but you're constantly working on a new project. So where you're at today, or I guess where you are today in terms of locations and dentists and, and patients and, and number of total employees, uh, where is that relative to where you see the future or the future vision of, of your practice? Your organization is maybe a better way to, to describe it. Yeah, you know, it's a really interesting question. It's one we're asked a lot. And I've, I've written down goals in the past and I've said, hey, you know, my BHAG or my big, hairy, audacious goal is this. Um, and I've also just said, hey, what's, you know, what's my 10-year plan? What's my five-year plan? What's my three-year plan? And what's my one? And as long as I start making long-range plans, if I make the long range plan, then work work in reverse to to say like, hey, does my move for the next three months next year align with with the ten year plan? And so that's the BHAG is to put that ten year goal out there and then just keep working towards it, making sure that your first year goes. So so I could say, hey, we want to have you know thirty clinics in in, in the next uh, ten years, or we want to have you know a hundred doctors in ten years that we want to support. And that, that seems a little bit off-putting, but if I look at it differently and say, hey, to get there, I need to add four this year, and I need to add w- one location this year, or I need to go from you know, our current 85 chairs in service to 100 chairs in service. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. It does. Um, as, as much as you're willing to share, what's the ownership structure look like as you guys have expanded uh, at, at a high level in terms of equity and, and shares? You know, uh, we have been wrestling with that concept forever. And, and what, is, what is the best way to, you know, to share this? And because in our world, it's important to note that we're, we're not just a, you know, a, a dental company or a dental group practice. We're also a real estate company and then we own five of the six locations that we practice in. So you've got a lot of real estate and assets that you're under management. And one thing I've, I've believed in is that, you know, a, a, my financial goal or my financial philosophy is to grow assets. And, and I've always focused on growing assets over income because, you know, assets create result-based income. And if I'm just going to chase doing fillings, crowns, working on bridges, orthodontic cases, I'm, I'm trying to create, um, you know, just effort-based results, you know, like that I have to do with my own hands. 
And my quest or my challenge at my mid mid career point is how do I how do I share the fruits of this vision with other dentists? So uh, Eric Kimball and I are presently going from our current ownership structure and you know the sexy term of the uh, in dentistry now is DSO or DPO. Uh, but what we're really trying to do now is create a, an operating agreement and a, and a business model that other doctors can we can share that equity with. And so that we're going from a, you know, basically a associate owner model to uh, an owner owner model where we'll still have associates. We'll still have people that don't choose to own, but we're going to encourage everyone to own in our practice very soon uh, and give everybody an opportunity to buy in to the level of comfort and uh, make this thing continue on indefinitely. And so maybe just to clarify, there is the opportunity for ownership, both at the acquisition level when a dentist or merges or is acquired by by your organization or and is it also at the associate level like someone starts out as an employee practicing at one location do they also have the opportunity to to buy in and and have equity in the, in the company well it's not it's not stamped yet and it's not delivered yet but <laughs> we we've, we've wrestled with it both ways and it's a real challenge for someone to look beyond their four walls and 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 trust that Hey, I'm, I'm, I'm going to buy into this company that is in six locations, but I can only affect one. Mm -hmm. uh, or I can maybe vote on what happens in six, but I can really drive the revenue at one. Uh, so, and that only becomes more complex as you go from six to 10 to 15. So we are really believing that, uh, in, in, in the dental model of the future, we believe that local reward is going to be compensation driven and ownership. Uh, is going to be uh, globally driven or, you know, across the entire platform. And so our vision is to be like, you're not buying into a practice or two practices and getting into the complexities of literally the entire ecosystem needs to be, needs to be available to an associate when they come on board and they don't need to feel like uh, they are an associate and they have to get to a certain point. It's literally like, Hey, how, how would you like to invest in our company? And so the the complications are, as you you probably have looked at a few operating agreements, as you're you're supporting your dental clients, is how do we make sure that we safeguard someone's entry and their exit? Mm. Uh, because every good contract's got that planned into it, and it's really how do we create the ultimate equity model for doctors in a dental practice and in real estate? And we're very near to that, and most important to our model, and we're going to keep. We'll keep a buying practices as long as that model is viable. But what we're, we think the new frontier is is in merging, not the acquisitions, but merging with other like-minded groups who want to practice together and who want to own together. And I, I really, we're looking forward to creating this agreement and building. That's the, that's what we believe the new frontier is: is how do we how do we grow fruit on other people's trees, and how do we get people to participate this and, and manage this? Uh, that's what we're really thrilled about. And I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I think just with us briefly chatting before we hit record on this podcast, that does that fit into your vision uh, of the long range future of dentistry? And then if so, to ask a follow up to a, to a sort of leading question, how has that evolved in terms of when you started practicing 20, 21 years ago? Well, I'll go in reverse. 20, 21 years ago, you either were the one doctor of a solo practice, you were an associate for a single owner waiting for him to leave mm -hmm. uh, or you, th there was more of a, what's called a solo group concept where you would like, I, I participate in this. My first ownership stint was I bought into a five way group practice 
there were actually it was seven, then it reduced to five. Um, because the, the specialist within that group splintered off into a two, two person group. Uh, but, and it was, it was a five way ownership group and there's lots of different ways to cut the, cut the pie, uh, and make decisions. But that's the way it was done 20 years ago. And, you know, other than Heartland Dental, who started in rural, rural Illinois in the mid nineties, and there's other mutations of that probably before then, but this DSO, uh, you know, thing, this market consolidation really took hold 2008, 2009, 2010. And that's when the face of you know, dental practice really started changing, uh, where people were working as employed dentists or associate dentists forever, uh, that with no, no, uh, equity in sight. And I think what we in the group practice industry are all discovering is you're going to be in a much better position if you have owners. You have multiple doctors who have equity in the program. And that's, you know, really having, you know, lived through this life cycle of practice acquisition and growth. You get to a point where you have to have a purpose. And, and my purpose and Dr. Kimball's purpose is to, you know, obviously to serve patients first and, and put the dental care of uh, islands at, at a paramount of importance. But if we're going to be building wealth, if we're going to be creating income from a results-based economy, um, how do we share that with others? And how do we take, you know, young promising doctors that we never want to leave our company to feel like they're on the level with Eric and I? And that's where we're really like that. We think that's the future. Um, uh, and in, it is literally getting, creating a life cycle where, uh, doctors can stay invested, invested in dentistry indefinitely. And we're really excited about it. So we're right at 25, 26 minutes. And I think there, I have so many questions that I still would like to ask. So if you're okay with it, what I'd like to do is, is have a part two to this conversation where we could dive in and, and probe a little bit in some other areas that I think would be interesting to the audience. Uh, is that something you'd be open to doing? Oh, of course. Uh, I, this is a fun conversation and uh, I, you know, who doesn't love telling their story? <laughs> awesome. Well, where, where I'd like to end is kind of with one big question. And, and, and for, for dentists that are listening to this and would be interested or at least exploring the idea of merging in with Kimball and Beecher, what's, what's the first step and what does that look like? Anybody, can, anybody that's listening to your podcast can call or text me at uh, 319-830-0050. That's my mobile. Um, Hopefully you don't become the next Joe Rogan and I get a thousand phone calls, but I don't think there's that many people <laughs> uh, in dentistry, quite frankly. Um, but uh, no, you can call or text me anytime at that number, uh, or you can reach me by email at bobeacher at gmail.com. And if you're a dentist who is looking at buying into a practice or selling their practice or merging, or definitely if you're looking at selling to a you know large DSO or private equity-based firm, and you, you want to bend, uh, bend someone's ear. I'm happy to listen, uh, and, and happy to, you know, include you in our organization and work with you. So that would be the best way to reach out to me. And, and you know, anybody practicing in Iowa is, is somebody I would consider a friend. That's awesome. I appreciate you sharing that and extending that offer. And as I said, we'll, we'll have a part two to this and, uh, we'll, we'll bring you back to, to pick your brain a little bit more, but that's Dr. Bo Beecher, founder and CEO of Kimball and Beecher Family Dentistry. Really enjoyed the conversation, Bo. I thank you for sharing your perspective and for being a guest on the Practice Growth Podcast. You bet, Sean. It's nice talking with you today. Sean Terrell is a registered representative, certified exit planner, and financial advisor of Park Avenue Securities, LLC, PAS. 
securities products and advisory services offered through PAS, member FINRA, SIPC. Financial representative of the Guardian Life Insurance Company of America, New York, New York. PAS is a direct, wholly owned subsidiary of Guardian. Carroll Financial is not an affiliate or subsidiary of PAS or Guardian. This podcast is for informational purposes only. Guest speakers and their firms are not affiliated with or endorsed by PAS, Guardian, or Carroll Financial, and opinions stated are their own. Guardian, its subsidiaries, agents, and employees do not provide tax, legal, or accounting advice. Consult your tax, legal, or accounting professional regarding your individual situation. Compliance tracking number 2021-118564, expiration date March 2023.